Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. Well, we record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts well. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. The Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Ops, making outdoor energy and performance nutrition to make you a stronger and healthier elk hunter. They have a full line of hunting-related supplements, including meal replacement shakes, multivitamins, pre-workout fuel, and post-workout recovery, and my favorite, their new performance protein bars that, by the way, are packed with 270 calories and 20 grams of protein, but contain less than 6 grams of sugar. Visit mountainops.com to learn more and to order, and be sure to use the promo code ELKTALK to save on your next order. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the Gator Premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods, and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have. And we have a promo code for Gerber as well. Just use the code ELKTALK to save 20% on your orders at gerbergear.com. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. The Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Uh, go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. The Insider is changing how hunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK, and when you do, when you sign up for the Insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop. Lastly, the University of Elk Hunting online course is a proud partner of the Elk Talk podcast. And within the University of Elk Hunting online course, you're going to find nearly 60 chapters organized in 17 modules of elk hunting instruction aimed at making you a more successful elk hunter. From planning and e-scouting to calling strategies and packing 
Every imaginable elk hunting topic is included in the online course. And regardless of your previous elk hunting experience or success, I'm confident the University of Elk Hunting online course will make you a more confident, more successful elk hunter. Just visit elk101.com and use the promo code ELKTALK to save 20% when you sign up for a membership to the University of Elk Hunting online course. And with that, Corey, we are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. Corey, how are you doing? I am good. My toes have thawed out and uh, the sun's shining for a little bit here, so things are good. <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, uh, my toes haven't thawed out. I'm in Duluth, <laughs> Minnesota, where right now the wind chill is like five below zero in the middle of the day. <laughs> like, uh, I, my, my full admission to the people who live here, and I grew up even further north of here, I'm just not tough enough to live here anymore. I just, you know, call me a, a wimp, a candy ass, whatever. I, <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure what people see in it. So I hear you. It was uh, minus ten here two mornings ago, Ooh. and uh, it's warmed up today. It's probably twenty degrees right now, but tomorrow yeah. and and the next day it's supposed to get down close to zero minus five again. So. Yeah, It'll, uh, I'm going to try to get out wolf hunting here for a day or two and cool. see if I can not get my fingers frostbitten. Yeah, I'm sure you won't. But did you, you know, last time we talked, you were bracing yourself for like 20 inches of snow. Did you get a bunch of snow? We did, and we're still uh, still getting it. So the yeah. good thing was we got some rain right in the middle of it. It warmed up to like 36. And we had probably 18 inches of snow on the ground, and that rain settled it and, and melted a little bit. So it kind of compacted it down to about nine inches or so. And then we've got probably another six or eight since then. So we're probably sitting at 15 or 20 inches total. And it's hmm. uh, we've got a little pause here with some cold weather for two or three days, and then supposed to start snowing again next week. Yeah, we'll send all that rain down to places like Nevada, Arizona, no New Mexico, Utah. Get that <laughs> drought out of there. No kidding. Hey, yeah, we can uh, we can maybe wait a little longer. I'm not going to put in for Arizona this year. I'm going to wait a year till the season gets a, a little I, better. I, I, I'm putting in for Arizona this year. I <laughs> I want that drought out of there. I'm I'm not. <laughs> You know, there's a saying that a, a guy used to be one of my mentors in the hunting and conservation advocacy world. He's since passed. He said, beware of old men in a hurry. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man in a hurry, Corey. Get that drought out hurry of here. Hurry up and draw it. Hurry and draw a tag. <laughs> uh, but I, I do know when it snows in Bozeman because I've been gone. Uh and when I get a text from my wife, I know that she doesn't want to talk to me. So she sends a text. <laughs> and usually it's just a picture of how much snow landed and a picture of her foot, her broken foot in this walking boot. Oh. Uh, how am I supposed to, with my, you know, you can't. So you got a, a foot in a walking boot with a sock you know it's not like you can go out in the snow and stuff and i i think it's like the old sesame street car uh things of which of these things don't belong uh <laughs> and i think 
The other one is probably husband. He doesn't belong in this picture for much longer because <laughs> he left me here. So I, I get a hold of my buddy Bart, who lives about a half mile away. Uh, hey, Bart, uh, I got a favor to ask. <laughs> Fortunately, he's got a snowplow. But oh, that's good. So, yeah, and he, the, say, he saved have, your bacon. Then he, he did, and he does this whenever I'm out of town, and he drew a Missouri break sheep tag two years ago. And I'm like, I told Kim, my wife, I'm like, yeah, Bart, he lucked out and he, he drew this Missouri breaks tag. And she looked at me and said, well, he deserves it. Implying that, <laughs> that you don't. I've been, yeah. I've been applying longer than Bart has. And I'm like, Oh, and she just smiled and looked at me like, well, if you were here to shovel the snow all the time. But maybe you deserve oh, well. something too. Yeah. So, oh well. If that's if that's the way life goes, I guess I'm just gonna have to deal with the consequences. I I get home on Sunday, and uh, I hope she's there to pick me up at the airport. She might. <laughs> <laughs> she might say, "Get one of your employees to pick you up." <laughs> Is it a pretty long walk? Yeah, it's a, to my yeah. house. I'd have about mm, better part of fifteen miles. I would bet twelve, fifteen miles. So, <laughs> if anyone sees me hitchhiking on North Nineteenth on Sunday night, uh, I'll pay for a ride home. But uh, <laughs> oh well, I'll I'll do all the snow blowing possible when I get home. But That's right. Anyhow, uh, we threw out a really. I, I don't know that I. I viewed it to be as interesting of a topic as it turned out to be with some of the email replies. Uh, yeah, I knew where it was I, going. <laughs> did you? you? You could see that yeah. one. You're like, Randy, uh, are you? yeah, it's, it's, it's just <laughs> something that's on the minds of elk hunters and hunters in general, I think. Just, yeah, you know, the whole public land etiquette, hunting spot secrecy. And it's, uh, yeah, I knew, so, I knew we would have some, some questions to answer on that one. Yeah, so I think there's one email from a guy from Idaho who probably summarizes this better than any. So I'm, I'm going to read it here. Uh, Corey and Randy, the discussion in your recent podcast of a future podcast regarding hunting spot etiquette and public land ethics should be done. Discussion on the first point regarding sharing hunting spots would be great for great from your points of view with decades of experience between the two of you and doing many hunts with different folks. I'm an aggressive solo hunter graduating from the University of Idaho. I reside in southern Idaho now, but primarily hunt in other parts of Idaho and have faced this dilemma for the first time this year. I brought some dear friends of mine into one of my most productive archery elk spots and have struggled with how to cope with it as we move forward into future season planning. Have Hunting with friends is a great time. Success with friends shared together is in that moment is even better. But now I feel as if they are reaping the rewards I've put my whole we list how much time and now almost you know however many years into building this spot and bringing other people fan and they're bringing other people and family into those spots 
How do you go about it? Am I a jackass and a terrible friend for thinking like this? Do we need Dr. Phil for this? <laughs> I don't think so. I think a lot of us can can openly relate to that. So, yeah, uh, I, th- I think so. Dr. Andy and uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'd call myself, but certainly not Dr. Anybody uh, with any sort of intelligence, but. Well, I I think the what he gave us there, most everybody listening who has struggled with this dilemma has seen it unfold and then yep. wish they could turn back the hands of time. <laughs> and uh so we've all been there. Yeah. Is it I mean, I, I don't care who it is, somehow, some way. You've probably brought a family member, a coworker, a brother-in-law or father-in-law or third cousin or whatever, and you show up there two months later or the next season, and there they are, wall tent, four guys, two kegs of beer, and four donkeys parked <laughs> in, the, in the trailhead. It's like, hmm. Yep. So... I I guess uh, if you are that person, I'll start with, if you're the person who this is being shared with, that's the easy. I mean, I, I think it's easier to address that than the dilemma of the person who is feeling like, oh, man, I should probably share this. It's, you know, it's my wife's, you know, brother or whatever. Yeah. Who, whoever you are, if you're shared that, if someone takes that time and trusts you and you know gives you this benefit of taking you into a spot to see how they hunt don't just please don't do that don't don't be that guy <laughs> you know yep i i tell people i don't want to know where you hunt if i stumble across you out in the woods that's different but please don't tell me where you hunt i don't want to know i just yep because i, I don't no, want to get close to that as i say i've seen it you know growing up um i saw people uh take advantage of areas that that my dad had taken them into and the you know, friendships that were lost over things like that. And, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you spend so much time and some of these areas are passed down from generation to generation. You know, if, if your parents take you in there, if you take your kids in there and I had, you know, I've had to tell my kids multiple times, you can't, you can't take your friends back in there. You know, I want you to go and hunt with your friends and do your own thing, but there's some areas that, you just can't go into you. I don't want you taking them in there. And it's so hard for them to understand. Cause it's like, well, you can just go anywhere and hunt. Why can't we go in there? And you know, it, it's, it's hard for a new hunter, for a young hunter to understand how sacred a, a hunting spot is. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, to look at it and say, these people should know, they should just automatically understand that because they don't. And, you know, it's no different than you take somebody to, you tell them about your favorite restaurant or something. They like it. They're going to keep going back. And, you know, so I think it does. There's there's some responsibility on us as the the hunters who take people to those spots to make sure they understand how sacred it is and why 
you know, why yeah. we, we value it so highly and how quickly it can go from, you know, you look at an area and say me and, and Donnie hunt there. So there's two people in there. And yeah. if there's two more people in there, it's like, ah, this is, you know, we've got to change the way we hunt this area now. If there's six more people in there, we don't even go in there anymore. And so it's just, you know, these areas are small. And I'm not talking, hey, if I hunt unit X in Colorado, nobody else should go in there. But right. if there's a trailhead or a drainage or something that I take somebody into, you know, I'm going to have to talk to them. And, and it's probably going to start out light. You're like, hey, I'm going to have to blindfold you going into this spot because, <laughs> you know, I don't ever want you finding your way back in there. Or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's, it's as as blunt as hey if i take you in here you know i don't mind bringing you in here again but you know it, it needs to be with me i don't want you coming back or if you are going to come back here i'd appreciate if you call and make sure that i'm not in here you know just little things that it doesn't have to be hey this is my area so don't ever come back type of a thing you know i, I yeah. think with an explanation of why you value it so much and why it is sacred uh, i think it People will, will catch on, but there's always those people that, you know, shed hunting Alex. spots and different hunting spots that just, they, they are looking for your spot and they know that there's, there's value on it and it's a sacred spot and they still don't care. And there's always going to be those people there. And, yeah, you know, I had to, I can share story after story of, of people that, you know, I think I've shared it before, but I had a guy I worked with one time that followed me from the parking lot at work to the area we hunt and then i ran into him a couple days later and he's hanging out the the side of the truck as they're driving up the road and we're walking down the road and he's yelling i found your spot i found your spot like it's some kind of a game and he's you know happy about it and it's funny to him and you know at that point i was pretty blunt and said you know what you it'd probably be best if you left and didn't come back here. And, (laughs) you know, his, his comment was it's a free country, it's public land. And, you know, those are the kind of people And the next year they had, you know, great big camps, four wall tents. I think there were 12 or 13 people there and everybody had found out where we hunted and where we'd had success. And I don't even go there anymore because it's, it ruined it. I mean, it really, it can't handle that kind of pressure. Yeah. Well, I'm not advocating violence, but people of our <laughs> of our father's generations, that's when they, your dad or my dad probably would have walked up and said, when's the last time you had a tooth inventory? Let me help you here. <laughs> that's for sure. But, but I mean, it is public land. The person is completely right. You know what? It's public land. But that doesn't mean that you there, – there are some norms – some expectations that are just really hard to violate and, or to have violated. So don't don't be one of those people. Don't. <laughs> and I say, if if someone brings you in there, don't even call them and say, "Hey, do you mind if I go in there?" Yeah. Go find another spot that might has, have similar characteristics because I can assure you that this spot has certain features, certain attributes, and that's why elk or deer or whatever might be in there. And it's not the only place in the unit or in the state that has those features and attributes. So use what you learned and go try find your own place that has yeah. that. 
And it's easy. I get it. You know, it's you've been brought there. You've been basically handed an area where there are animals. It eliminates the the biggest struggle and obstacle in hunting, which is locating animals to hunt. And so it's. I can see the appeal and the the you know the temptation to go back there because it's easy and it's familiar. It's like, well, let's we're hunting on a Wednesday. He's probably not in there. We can go in there and man, it's just not even worth it. You just. No, don't yeah. go back there. Use what they've taught you, like you said, to to find your own area. And I think that's, you know, why you and I stress so much. Don't email us or message us and ask us where to go. Don't ask us, hey, could you point me in the right direction? Could you give me a trailhead to start at? No, we can't do that. Any areas we know that are going to be good, we hold sacred. And besides, if you knew how many people messaged us asking us for that information, you wouldn't yeah. be very happy if we sent you there because everybody else would be going there if we gave them the same information. So use yeah. use the the e-scouting tools that you know you and I talk about and teach about to go and find an area that has those qualities that's your area. And don't think that there's not going to be other hunters that hunt in there. I've not found a single place where I go hunt, where I don't see sign yeah. of other people or other people in there. There's there's nowhere really like that, but it's spread out enough and there's enough public land and enough access that you don't need to be going to somebody else's area and you don't need to be hunting right on top of somebody else and somebody else doesn't need to be hunting right on top of you. Yeah. So please value your friendships more than you value the shortcut of someone holding your hand and pointing you out an elk to you in their favorite place because there are there are other places out there to go find them but there may not be other friends <laughs> that's very true <laughs> you don't want to end up being that guy like doc holiday in the movie tombstone where after the big shootout at the water hole the one guy says doc why are you doing this and he says wyatt is my friend and the guy says, well, hell, Doc, I got a lot of friends. And he says, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't end up like Doc Holliday where you only end up with one or zero friends. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but I, I kind of thought when we threw that out there, we would uh, we'd generate a lot of emails, and, and we did. Uh, and I, I just think it, it really is common sense and courtesy. And, uh, I don't know how much of it is intentional. If you are a new hunter, sometimes we do things that it's not out of malice or greed. It's out of just lack of knowledge or ignorance. If you are a newer hunter, I'm telling you this. You may not have been invited yet, but maybe someday you will. It is the norm, the standard in the hunting world. And I don't care if we're talking duck blinds, whitetail stands, elk spots, whatever it is. If someone invites you, that is a special privilege. Respect it and do so accordingly and don't go back there. Yep. So. And I think, you know, I, I'm surprised at how many people openly share where they hunt. You know, people I've never even mm -hmm. met before will come up and, and want to share a, an elk hunting success. 
And the first thing I started with is, well, I was hunting up there up the top end of Smith Creek last weekend and had four bulls bugling. And it's like, whoa, 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 I didn't want to hear that. And if you're yeah. openly telling me, how many other right. people are you telling? You know, hold that, hold that mm-hmm. stuff sacred. Don't don't share it like that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm surprised when, when people do that also. Uh, and it, it's... You know what? What's the old saying that things that uh, come easy don't last long, or something like that, and things that <laughs> like that. last long don't come easy. Um, yeah. So if it comes easy to somebody because you got a, a mouth and you're telling the whole world, uh, don't expect it to last forever. That's the truth. And I'm sure. I mean, like you said, every place I go. I don't care what hunting I do. I run into other hunters and that's fine. They found it on their own and, you know, it just is what it is. It's public land and I'm glad they've done their research and and everything. And I wish them nothing but luck. Uh, but it's not like I brought them in there and said, yeah, I've been hunting this spot for 25 years. I'm going to show you exactly how the elk behave, well, how they respond to pressure, blah, blah, blah. No, this person probably showed up and they figured it out the way I did. So, yep. Work at it. And, and that's Consist- the point, you know, and then that probably leads into another discussion of, you know, the public land etiquette. If you yeah. do find a spot and you go in there and there's somebody else in there, um, you know, I've I've dealt with all of it, you know, from the outfitter that's in there that says, this is our area, we've been hunting here for 30 years, you know, you, you shouldn't be in here, there's not enough room for you guys, we've outfitted here, you know, ran into yeah. that. I've ran into people that, you know, that it's just, you know, they're very cold, they won't even talk to you, they don't want to share anything. And then I've ran into people that are, you know, just excited to see somebody else in there. And, you know, they offer where they've been seeing elk and everything. And I think I'm, I kind of try to be in between, you know, I just, I want to be friendly and, and talk about it. And rather than say, hey, here's where we're finding elk, where are you guys hunting? You know, you were here before us. So which direction are you going? I don't want to step on your toes. We'll go the completely opposite direction. And, you know, and I yeah. respect that. And if they, you know, we see them at the trailhead and they've got two giant bulls, you know, I'm not going to just go running back to the side of the canyon they were hunting. It's, uh, you know, it's it's not their area, but I'm going to respect that until they're out of there and, and I'm not going to encroach on that. Yeah, and for me, I'm always of the opinion that the first one there, if they, if I can't get the mattress off my back in the morning to be the first one there, I don't deserve that ridge or that basin that day and sometimes we'll both kind of show up not knowing the other was there we come around a corner and it's like oh crap there's someone 200 yards over there very often i'll walk over there and just say hey you know what's your plan for the day we'll move around you we'll go do this go do that i don't want to mess you up uh and so that's there's ways to handle that because sometimes it does happen just by accident of not even knowing that someone came in a different direction or whatever. Uh, but for me, if you're the first one there, if you're on my favorite glassing knob, like happened in, uh, <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this, uh, in New Mexico with our sweepstakes winner, 
someone who listens to this podcast got a hold of you and you said, I don't know, I think Randy's hunted that unit. Uh, get a hold of him. So he emails me. He's like, I'm checking that, you know, I, he, he'd done a ton of e-scouting. So I'm like, yeah, I've hunted most of those spots. They're good places. Uh, so our sweepstakes winner, we're in there. And I go walking up to my favorite glassing knob. <laughs> and, and who is there? <laughs> this guy and his, uh, his brother and his dad and his grandfather. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a hell of a deal. Uh, and I'm like, hey, guys, you beat me here. You guys have it. We'll go a mile and a half over this way, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the second morning, they ended up shooting a bull. Uh, and we stopped by their camp. They were just great guys, had a wonderful time talking to them. Uh, but sometimes that's how it goes. And they beat me there. They were there. Two, I, I saw them drive by my camp two hours before sunup on a scouting day. <laughs> I'm like, man, these guys are getting serious about it. Well, when we parked at the trailhead, there's no snow or anything there. I can't tell which direction anyone went. So I'm just slogging out to my normal glassing spot. Come around the corner and I see all these heads right behind binos and spotting scopes. And uh, I'm like, hmm, darn. <laughs> and then they get telling me the story. Yeah, I'm the guy who emailed Corey and Corey told me to email you. And and quite honestly, if, if that guy hadn't done so much of his own e-scouting and hadn't sent me such a detailed email, I would have put it in the category of all the other ones that we get of, yeah. hey, can you tell me where to go? And it wasn't that at all. The guy had... I mean, he's like, I know this is a post route hunt. I know these are non-migratory elk. It's like he'd he just had done his research and he shot a really nice yep. bull, and I, I was happy for him. So, but it happens out there, and when it does, <laughs> at least for me, it's hey, you were the first one there. But then there's the flip side of that. I've had people set up their wall tent at not not in the parking lot of the trailhead but about a hundred yards up the trail where you have to walk through their camp to walk up the trail and yeah. a lot of times these are like big trails that fork into like four different drainages and stuff and they imply that that means they have staked out this entire 12 square miles yep. i'm like you know what you've mistaken me for someone who thinks you own this joint because i don't <laughs> If you're uh, dumb enough to, sure. to to put a wall tent right here in the middle of one of the busiest trails in Montana, I won't be the first guy walking through your camp or so, the last. Yeah, so there are there are other sides of that coin also, um, but I think with an etiquette standpoint, there it's mostly just common sense. Yeah, you know, I agree. Don't, don't be a jerk. The world's got enough of them. Yeah, yep. I mean, we don't don't need to to be that way, and uh, so we we could probably rattle on that stuff forever <laughs> and ever and ever. But I think it's just one get, of those things. I mean, it, it really just it, it gets under your skin. I mean, it does. It's mm -hmm. you see somebody at a trailhead, and it's like 
you know, they shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be here. This is our spot. And I think, you, and that's why it's so important to have so many backup areas is you don't, yeah. you still get frustrated, but when you have multiple backup areas, it's a lot easier to say, okay, somebody beat us here. Let's go check out right. backup Z or whatever. And, and uh, so that's important. If you didn't have a backup, then it would be even more frustrating. It's like, well, where are we going to go? I don't know. And you sit there in that paralysis mode where you can't decide what to do or where to go. And it's like, well, let's just go up there anyways. And then turns into a debacle. And so. yeah. Yep. I mean, it's okay to be frustrated. We're all going to be frustrated, like you said, when we pull up and dang it. Someone else heard that bull bugling here last night just before dark. Yeah. But how you express that frustration and how you act thereafter kind of determines whether or not people think you're a decent person or people think you're a complete putt. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, well. So, that's uh, hopefully that give some general guidelines for those like i said for those of you who are new to hunting or new to public land hunting be thinking about those things because uh it it's a good way to make some friends by being respectful and it's a good way to lose some friends by not being respectful so yep and like you said it's not worth getting into a, a friendship debate over a hunting spot um yeah. you know if you're the one that's thinking about going in there don't even risk it and yeah. you know if you're the one that took somebody in there and you're upset at them and, and willing to sever ties with a friendship over it you know that's just maybe maybe a conversation maybe they don't even know you know maybe expressing yeah. to them that hey and it's it's so hard. I'm a non-confrontational person. So when somebody does that, it's it's easy to tell somebody else and hope that maybe they'll tell them or something. But I think the best way to handle it is just to, to approach them directly and say, hey, listen, I took you into that spot and it's special to me and here's why. And, and here's what happens when, when you go back in there and take two more people and then those two people take two people. It doesn't take long for there to be 16 new people in there in the area you can't handle it. And it's... Uh, yes. Yeah. Something you got to think about. <clears throat> yeah. And I would say, I'm just thinking about how many times I've had someone plop down in front of me or nudge me out or whatever when I was the first one there. I can think of two times it happened where we're set up, you know, we're wearing blaze oranges, rifle season. It's like, well, surely you can see us sitting here. And someone comes and sets up really close by yeah. i usually I, I mean when they do that i'll go over and talk to them also and say hey guys what's your plan and uh twice i've had people say well it's public land and i guess whoever <laughs> shoots first gets the elk and uh, you know growing up in a little logging town where <laughs> uh behavior was different than what's expected out of people today i just gotta walk away because uh and the never is the audio usable <laughs> when that happens full confession in my family cussings and art form i'm pretty good at turning it off when i'm on camera but in those instances where it's happened uh audio we ended up not using the audio from that clip because 
I do go grab my pack and I'm like, well, if it's that important to them, you know, they can have it. But it's just <laughs> the principle of it that gets me pretty worked up. I mean, one of them was we had a guest on her and we're sitting in this water spot one evening in, in a very dry state. And a guide comes with some clients and they set up 75 yards away from us kind of across the other water uh, other side of the water hole i walk over them like what's the deal man i mean (laughs) you saw us sitting there well i guess if one comes in whoever gets a shot like we're shooting at each other so (laughs) we packed up and left but i will admit that my truck made an awful lot of noise when we were slamming the doors and (laughs) i may have even hit my key fob the car alarm or something i don't know yeah we just packed up and left it's like you know what this is but the good news is that is so seldom so so seldom most everybody i run into it's a very you know after after everyone gets through their first frustrations it's usually a pretty friendly conversation yeah and uh, so so now that we've solved all that there will be no more public land conflicts i'm sure yeah i think so I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm feeling pretty confident that I won't see anybody in any of my spots ever again. (laughs) We just educated the world and solved half of their problems. Yeah, that's right. But, hey, I can't remember on the last podcast, did I say that Wyoming had the wrong application date on their website for non-residents? I don't don't think you did because I was not aware of that. So, Oh, so... For all of you who might have looked at Wyoming's website a week or two weeks ago, they said that the non-resident elk deadline was May 31st of next year. (laughs) A bunch of us were like, what the heck? I went and posted it out on my own talk forum. Like, anybody know what the deal is here? And then some other people said they contacted Wyoming Game and Fish. I see it is now corrected. It does say January 31st, 2022 is the deadline. So, thank goodness. I just want to make sure that nobody looked at that and then said, oh, I got until May to get <laughs> yeah. it done. And then, I mean, that imagine what kind of a fiasco that would have created if oh, they would have left man. that up there. Yeah. Ooh, there would have been some unhappy applicants. Yup. Oh well, are you are you applying in Wyoming this year? I am. Yeah, are gonna, you? Okay. I thought we had it last year. We were, you know, we had a right at the brink there of the number of points that were needed, and I thought thought we might get it, but we didn't. So this yeah. year we should be. Should you know nothing's guaranteed, but we should be in the yeah. in the running. Yeah, I'm going to do the general tag this year. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It just gives you so many options in Wyoming. And you can go hunting every second, third, fourth year or something like that. Yep. And you know what? There's quality bulls there. And when when you get to a certain point in life, you know what? It's just having fun and shooting a decent bull is more than a guy could ask for. So... I, I am never going to be that guy who accumulates tons and tons of points in Wyoming. 
Yep. I'm burn, I tried, you know, I, I made it to, I think, four one time and thought, <laughs> I'm not waiting any longer. And that's when you get the general tag with one or two points back then. And yeah, I, I burned them. Hmm. <laughs> so. well, well, you just uh, you get a lot of points and, and my experience, and obviously there's some exceptions all the time anywhere, but my experience has been those units that take 10 or 12 points yeah. usually aren't that much better than most of the units that take three or four points. I mean, yep. there's always exceptions, but mm-hmm. unless you want to save 20 points, and even then, you know, I'm sitting on 18 points in Colorado, and yeah. I probably going to put in for a hunt that takes less than 10 just because there's nothing in that range that that works and yeah that's any better yeah well and in some states where the non-resident opportunities are so low like nevada or utah you end up with a lot of points but not by design, not not yeah. usually because you say, well, I'm at 28 points. I I want the unit that takes 32 points. No, it's just <laughs> that it's <laughs> you've been trying every year and it just takes that many points. But yeah. for, for states that have reasonable opportunities and don't, uh, I wouldn't be rat hole on a bunch of points, but that's, I guess, everyone's going to have a different approach to it. We, uh, I think we ought to start a, a political campaign, Corey, to get rid of point schemes. Ooh, think it would work? No, I don't know. I just I'm I mean, not going to go about every <laughs> thought of every situation there, and 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 as a point holder myself, I'm like, I'm not giving up my points. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to just. But I don't know. You know what the what the and we've talked about it so many times, but points are bad. But once you go down that road, there's no turning back. I haven't found a way to right. turn back yet. No, but Montana did it one time. They had a point system for moose, goat, and sheep, a preference point system in the 70s. And somewhere in the early 80s, they junked it. And so all these people who had points, they were livid. Well. <laughs> Uh, whenever I, I wasn't living in Montana at the time when they junked it in the eighties, but then by 2001, I think it was 2002, we were back to having a point system again. So, and the bad part about these point systems is what you are buying into today is never going to (laughs) be what you are buying into 10 years from now. So buyer beware. Don't be sniveling and whining that they changed the rules on you. That's just how legislatures work. They're going to change the rules on you. So save that whining and weeping and wailing for something that matters. It's the truth. Absolutely is. I mean, think I could rattle off so many things that changed in drawing systems since I made my first application not a state in nineteen ninety five. That's twenty six years ago. Holy cow. Yeah. Man. It's a long time. Yeah. No wonder I got so many points in some of these states. <laughs> but I'd give them all up. I'd give up my max points for sheep in Montana, my 20-plus points for sheep and other stuff in some of those other states to just get rid of these elaborate schemes. But that's not happening. 
Yep. That's like, that's like saying I wish it was October year round. It ain't going to happen. I would go for that one. I, I would go for Wouldn't that you? one, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would, too. I bet you if we, at least in the hunting space, if we said it should be September and October all year round, we'd win. Oh yeah, we, we, we'd get we'd get we'd voted get that, in. Some we'd get that vote passed. Passed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. But so, what are you doing in the off season to keep things keep your edge sharp, or are you just coaching basketball? I'm coaching basketball, but uh, started a new workout program about a month ago, and it's kind of yeah. kicking my rear end right now, which I'm enjoying. It's uh, really? my legs. You know, legs are are something that I've always been able to just keep in shape by hiking a lot. And Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, you know, I started having some lower back pain and knee pain and it's nothing, no injury or anything. I just can tell that there's a weak, weak link there. And so I really, after hunting season thought I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to really find something that'll work my legs. And I think what kicked it all off is when I, uh, tore my, my calf last spring shed hunting or two Mm -hmm. springs ago now uh, going to physical therapy realizing where my weaknesses were you know they'd have me do some little things like put my feet on the wall and pull down with my heels to Mm -hmm. fire my hamstring and I couldn't get my hamstring to fire and they're like well that's part of the problem that's why you're getting injured and so realizing that that I've I've been so specific to what I've done you know I hike and I stay on my calves which is bad Uh, and so I thought I'm going to I'm going to do something about this. And so I found a workout program and started it and it's all just body weight stuff. And I, you know, as an example, I did the, the leg portion this morning and no weights at all. Just, and it's, it's, you go really slow. So it's not just doing 10 reps of, you know, body weight squats. It's taking 10 seconds to go down and then holding it for two seconds at the bottom and then exploding up and then immediately starting back down. And so just doing that, but my legs, I couldn't even hardly walk after, after this morning, I've been doing it for a month. So I know it's working. My balance has gotten a lot better. I'd like to say my pain has, has been eliminated, but it's actually bringing on more pain in different areas just because it's <laughs> showing me where the weaknesses are. But it's uh, it's good. I'm excited for, you know, if I can keep it up for another 10 months. And I might switch, you know, different workouts, but I'm always going to focus on the core, the legs, things like that, that, that really matter now. So mm-hmm. doing that... Um, there's a program called Knees Over Toes that uh, I'm going to start doing on on off workout days to strengthen my knees. And it really, you know, I'm doing it because my daughter, once she gets done with her rehab on her ACL reconstruction she had a couple weeks ago, I'm going to get her doing that program as well so that hopefully she won't be plagued by any more injuries. Yeah. Well, for me, it seems like my first postseason thing I got to do is gain five pounds. Really? And then once I gain five pounds, then I, it's like, oh, Randy, you just burned all that weight on 10 days of mountain goat hunting. Why, why did you have to put this five pounds on again? And then it'll stay there all winter. <laughs> And I don't know how that is. Maybe some doctor can tell me how you just instantly gain five pounds and then you level off. Why can't I stay leveled off? But oh well. After that, you know, a lot of my off season stuff, I wish I could say I was as disciplined as you are. Uh, I'm 
most of my off season stuff. When I am home, involves snow shoveling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I live in the snow part of the of the Gallatin Valley south of Bozeman. I live in a snow trap, but so I get a lot of that. Uh, I am blessed to have an archery range over in my yard next door and even in the winter time i'll go over there and just try to keep some muscle memory going and and uh just gives me something to do um but most of it for me people think that this time of year must just be staring out the window uh man we spend so much time on planning the next season film permits yeah. you know applications and storylines and it's uh it's fun stuff but it's i feel like i get stuck to a, a chair more than well i get stuck there more than i need to mostly because i'm just getting old and lazy i think i <laughs> it, it, i think i got habituated to this in the cpa world that all right Come January through April, I'm just going to sit on my butt, do tax returns. (laughs) So, you know, that was the extent of my exercise, walking back and forth from my office to the file room and carrying a four four to eight pound file with me. That was as much exercise as a CPA gets. So, so I'm not, I don't know. How how do you get people to be more keen on off-season workouts? I don't know. I think it's just something for me. I've I've seen the benefit, and now it's you yeah. know I I just have to do it. It's not even yeah. a question of should I do it, when should I do it. It's I know I have to do it, and you know I just I, and I I sound I'm sure like the generation ahead of me sounded to me, and I I blew it off. But you start getting older, and and you have to start doing more. I mean, you have to mm-hmm. be more conscientious. You have to be more purposeful in staying in shape because it takes so much longer. It's really easy to get underneath that that weight of I'm out of shape and I've put in four weeks and I'm still not back in shape and I feel worse than I did when I started. I, I'm done. You know, and I've seen a lot of people that are like that, that just give up because it does. It takes so much longer. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, I've just seen so many people in their 70s that are in better shape than I am. And they are very diligent about you know, they, they're not going to a gym and lifting, bench pressing a whole bunch of weight. It's just more motion and movement and keeping limber yeah. and stretching and things like that. I haven't started yoga yet, but I'm, uh, it's, it comes up in conversation now more than I'd like to admit. So, <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of stretching. I am one of, fortunately, one of those very limber people where, I don't allow myself to watch TV in the wintertime unless I'm doing some sort of stretching or other exercises. And uh, I do find that stretching is a huge, huge help to me. I've done it all my life. And, uh, but on my mountain goat hunt a couple weeks ago, you know, I was the oldest, I was 20 plus years older than everybody who was there of the camera guys and, and, you know, a couple friends who joined us. And I obviously at 57, I'm not going to run up the mountain like I did when I was 30. Uh, I still give it my best shot, but we got on the discussion about uh, the mental aspects of it. And if there's one benefit about getting older, at least for me, is 
the mental part of it is so easy anymore. I, I, I don't even, it doesn't even phase me that, oh, you mean we're going to hike all day? Yeah. Okay. As long as I can go at my pace, I'll hike all day. I don't care. You know, uh, whereas when I was 30, it's like, I'm not hiking all day. I'm going to go like a road runner for about three miles and then I'm going to sit down and have a break and complain that I got a blister and, you know, whatever else. <laughs> just like, all right, one foot in front of the other. Let's go. So there, there is that benefit that comes with getting older. Yep. I, I think anyhow, it's, I, I am mentally way stronger than I was in my thirties. I, I think my peak physical conditioning, probably I was 35 and uh, somewhere between 30 and 35. And as that started to slowly erode just due to time and age, the mental side of it, I feel like I'm in my peak mental condition and hopefully gets even better and better. So, yeah. So there's hope for those of you who are staring in the mirror saying, how'd I get this old? <laughs> well, thank goodness. <laughs> because I, yeah. I do it every day. I still feel yeah. like I'm, you know, mentally I feel young. Like, it, And I even sometimes look in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, I probably look like I'm in my mid-30s aging well. And I mentioned something about that to my <laughs> wife and she just laughed. And she's like, don't kid yourself. <laughs> I was like, hey, the what? last person you make that comment to, Corey, is a spouse. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, it would yep. be all all my wife could do to not spit her coffee out at the computer screen if I went and said something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I, Whatever. <laughs> and I agree with you. I think cardio-wise, you know, I've, I don't know what it is, but my lungs don't have the capacity the same as they used to. Um, I think strength-wise, though, I think I'm stronger now than I've ever been, you know, mm. as far as wow. feeling like I'm balanced, feeling like my core is, you know, things are connected well and, you know, knock on wood, um, able to avoid injury from, from doing the things I like to do. Uh, but I just can't do it as long. You know, the endurance isn't, isn't there like it used to be. Yeah. Well, I, I wish I, uh, wish I could say that I feel as strong as I did. I think I've always worked on my core because when I had back problems from sitting at a desk too much as an accountant, I went to PT and they emphasized my core, but as far as the rest of my body, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't feel that. <laughs> but, oh well, that's that's what I have young camera guys for. That's right. Uh, so, what else do we do? We want to interject to the world of elk hunting today. Anything? Man, the world that, of elk that, hunting. Yeah. We we should probably just start looking at the world in general and interjecting. Oh, oh man, no, don't get me started. Don't please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back here with my family, and as anybody knows, when it's family, you can have a much more raucous discussion about certain things. And uh, 
So I've I've imbibed in a few heated discussions more so than I otherwise would. So I, <laughs> if you want to get into the world in general, you go ahead. I'll I'll stand by and referee. I've, <laughs> I've been the I was doing it for lately. the listeners. I was doing it for the listeners' sake, hoping that you would bite because Uh-oh. there's no entertainment like uh, Randy Newberg entertainment when you start talking about yeah. politics and world events. So. Well, the world got their taste of that. In the last week up in Montana, uh, Randy Newberg, if you went out on my platforms, you saw my feelings about the proposal Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks put forth that in order to solve our elk overpopulation problem on ranches that don't uh, provide access to cow elk hunting, the solution is to give them unlimited bull tags and make the public stay in a draw for bull tags, and let's cut the number of bull tags to the public. Like, yeah, that sounds wait, reasonable. Wait, yeah, wait a second here. We're going to shoot bulls to reduce the herd numbers. All right. And in the equitable fashion, if you've been, you know, keeping an elk on your property and allowing no hunting or whatever, you, we're, we're going to reward you by giving you an unlimited number of bull elk tags. But all you people over on public, you know, you guys, you, we're going to cut your pool of tags in half. <laughs> Guess how that went over. Well, so. I'm guessing I know which side of the argument you were on, but how did it go over? Actually... A lot of groups in Montana stood up and said, what are you thinking? And so the commission, our Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Commission, held their meeting on Tuesday. Well, they had their working session Monday night, and at the working session, the commissioners are like, hey, boys, I don't know who came up with that, this idea, but we're getting thousands and thousands of comments against this. I'm watching that working session just smiling away. And uh, <laughs> and then they said, you know, don't just complain, don't just say no, give ideas. So I gave a whole bunch of ideas. And uh, so the next morning when the commission met, they completely junked the original proposal, and then they cooked up something else that's just as bad. And so we're waiting to see what they put out there for final public comment, but... It, if I was a commissioner right now, I'd be scratching my head saying, who, who, whose idea was this? What what, what the heck, man? Uh, so we'll see. There, these, these, both what they'd proposed before the meeting and what I saw them come out of the meeting with are probably the biggest changes to elk hunting in the 30 years that I've lived here. Really? And Yeah. So and not for the better. No. Um, so hopefully we can make them to be better. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll yeah. listen. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll take suggestions and, and come up with ideas. And I don't know how it is in other parts of the, of the elk world. But what we have in Montana is, I call them the hedge fund ranchers. <laughs> now, you know, if you're on Wall Street, you aren't anybody if you don't have a Rocky Mountain ranch of 20,000 acres as part of your portfolio. You know, you got to be able to check that off the box along with 
eight vacation homes, two Lamborghinis for your youngest kids, you know, uh, 14 nannies, a private jet, you know, you got to have all the stuff. And in the last 15 or 20 years, one item that's been put on that list is you got to have a ranch in Montana. Uh, So I don't have a problem with them buying ranches. In fact, for my CPA clients and other landowners who've worked their brains out and sell their ranches for millions of bucks, I'm like, good for you, man. But when you come here, that doesn't mean that the state of Montana needs to change its hundred years of of wildlife management to accommodate your desires. Yeah. So and where it really makes things complicated is there are still a lot of ranches in Montana that are trying to make a living off the land. And production costs are high, market prices are low, and it's just tough going. And so you got the hedge fund dude who he doesn't care how many elk he's got on his property. He doesn't, you know, it's so hunting season comes, first couple shots, all the elk are under his property. And he keeps them there, no hunting, no anything. Maybe his buddies get to come and hunt. But as quick as season's over, where do all those elk go? Over to the dude trying to make a living on this. And uh, so I always say in Montana, we don't really have an elk problem. We have a neighbor problem. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's his right. His ranch, his private property, I always say, you know, if you own something, it's your right to do with it as you please. But don't then come to the Montana legislature, the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Commission and say, you know, we've we, we've created a situation where all these elk really like hanging out on our place now. We we If you would give us unlimited bull elk tags, boy... We'd really like that. And oh, by the way, the price of our ranches would double. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, so it's a hard thing to, yeah. to try to manage, but it's a trend that's continuing. It's accelerating in Montana. I mean, these big ranches, are, there aren't Montana ranchers who are sitting on 20, 30, $50 million to buy some of these premium properties. So. The people who buy them aren't people who necessarily have the the same land ethos or neighborly understanding that the working ranchers had. So yeah, it's uh, it creates some serious friction in Montana just, right now. Well, it's just so complicated. You get landowners, you get public land enthusiasts, and then you throw the management of it in. You know the the legislatures. Yeah. And their hand in there and, and they've got to do, well, they feel they have to do what's financially beneficial to them. And so you get these large landowners that are contributing to campaigns yep. and in their ear saying, hey, I'll contribute to your campaign, but I want to be able to hunt on my own property or do this and do that. And it's just so complicated. It's not, yeah. you know, and usually it's the fishing game agencies are the ones with their hands tied and they can't make anybody happy and they're the ones that get blamed for everything. Yeah, that's the beauty of being in the legislature. You know, you get to, you got somebody you get to blame for everything, the game and fish department, but they, they aren't the ones passing the laws. So, I mean, that's almost like being a weatherman, you know, there's no accountability. <laughs> 
<laughs> We've yeah. talked about that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And any of you who are currently in postgraduate work for your wildlife management degree, just quit. All you got to do is get elected to your state legislature and instantly when you walk through the Capitol doors, you are now a PhD in the most high level wildlife sciences. Wow. Yeah. And if you doubt me, go look at the kind of legislation. <laughs> I mean, Montana gets like two to 300 bills a year, every session about changing our wildlife system. So crazy. I didn't know. I didn't know it was that bad. I didn't know we had that many smart wildlife scientists in the Montana legislature. Well, you're lucky. Yeah. Lucky since, you do. And since these platforms that we have are are well listened to in Montana, there's a reason why when I go to the Helena go to Helena in the state legislature, I'm usually not shown the red carpet. <laughs> uh, here comes that smart ass Newberg. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and as long as you guys keep thinking you know what's best for the people of Montana when it comes to hunting, I'm gonna keep being a smart ass. Yeah. Oh well. So that's probably as far into the world of politics as I want to get in today. <laughs> I was gonna say we almost got you going there, didn't we? Yeah. Because uh we are trying to make you know, we're we're the our our department said, well, if you don't like what we propose, come forward with your own ideas. So a lot of us are doing that. We are submitting well considered ideas. I on my hunt talk forum, I've got thousands of people who can give me feedback on stuff. I've been involved in this for thirty years. I've got scientists, retired biologists who can give feedback on this stuff. So it's not like the hunters of Montana are just pulling this out of thin air. Yeah, it's, it, these are, these are serious proposals that hunters have been given a lot of consideration to, that are trying to help the working landowner who's trying to make a living. Because if we can keep that guy on the land, that's fewer of these billionaire types who make life more complicated. So yep. we have every incentive there is to try to keep the working rancher, working farmer on the land. Uh, so. I view them as kind of an ally and what can we do to help? And uh, maybe we'll find some solutions. I don't know. but I don't know. By by the time the uh, Montana elk deadline comes in early April, you'll know what the answer has been, whether it's changed or not changed. So those of you who apply in Montana, get ready. There, there could be if if they just ram this through and say, "Ah, hell with the public," uh, expect some serious, serious changes in Montana. So nice, well, yeah. Brightened but, our day. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> but my point of this, the other point of this is, every one of you in your state when your agencies are having meetings, but more importantly, when your state legislatures are convening, they are doing things that affect your hunting, your fishing, your access, everything else, and you probably don't even know it. So get involved and either spend the time yourself to go do all this research and stay up to date on it, which is nearly impossible. Or if nothing else, sign up for one of the groups and their newsletters that keep you informed. Yeah. So the 
the last thing you want to do is show up to buy your license or apply for a tag and say, how did, when did this change? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you were out playing golf last year when the legislature was in session. That's what they were doing. So, uh, so I'm going to take yeah. a Christmas break with no politics. Are you? Ah, that's a lie. Probably not. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I got plenty to do over the Christmas break. We uh, we close our office from Christmas Eve till after New Year's, and everyone's been working so hard that they need a couple extra weeks off. So we do that, and uh, I just sit around and dream up application strategies all right if <laughs> i i have got too much time on my hands when it comes to that stuff Corey, and it's been that way my whole life or at least since i started doing this multi-state stuff i have like okay what if i draw this tag but not any of these other four tags well you start doing that and you come up with like 30 iterations of what your season might look like maybe even more oh, than i know that. and oh. kim looks at me like is this just like, is this really a worthwhile use of your time or are you just that bored? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'll be, put me at the dinner table and I'll be mumbling some of this stuff. And she'll humor me for a while and then it's kind of like, you really think I care? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll pretend like I care today. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's usually what I start doing this time of year. And uh, figure out how I'm going elk hunting as many times as possible. So. Yep. <clears throat> then on Monday we're uh, we're pulling the winner. RMEF is pulling the winner of the sweepstakes thing. We oh just no did. kidding already. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So fast. we'll find out who that is. Um, I don't know who it is, but uh, they they pulled the winner and notify them, and hopefully the person replies because under Montana law, if you don't reply by a certain date, they have to draw another winner. Ooh. And I think the reason that was is because people were running sweepstakes, and if the winner didn't come forward, they just kept all the sweet all the benefit of what you know whatever the sweepstakes was. Like, uh, huh, look at that, we didn't even have to give away a prize. <laughs> got all the promotion benefit and didn't cost us yeah. anything. Yeah, so uh, yeah, hopefully when they get a hold of the person, they reply in time. We we had one person who just skated in under the wire, uh, so. That's fun. I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, it'll be fun to see who that that person is, and uh, then I'll probably do a little duck hunting and uh, sit around and eat some turkey. <laughs> you <laughs> try to figure hunt? out how. Don't tell anybody. I was gonna say, man, I had respect for you for a while. Oh man. The reason I duck hunt is it's Matthew's favorite thing to do. So when he comes home for Christmas, we go duck hunting. We don't That's... film it. Nothing. It's, uh, you ever have those times where you enjoy going out without cameras? Oh my goodness. I got an opportunity to do that during elk season this year. And yeah, <laughs> you gotta be careful. <laughs> we'll never uh, see Corey. Again. I was going to say it was, uh, it was nice. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah, so I save my waterfowl hunting for those. Those are the no camera days. So, and I enjoy yeah. it. I just go out and 
no preoccupation, no set to anything, no story I have to tell. I can mumble and have a booger on the end of my nose and nobody's going to, you know, say, take, hold on, cut, take two, take three, whatever. So, <laughs> but, uh, so. No, and that's my, you know, my oldest, Isaac, he got into waterfowl and he went hmm. quite a bit. And now my youngest, Sam, he's, uh, he's getting into, in fact, his project in shop this past week, he made a barrel for a duck call. And he wow. turned it on the wood lathe, and he actually is thinking that he wants to start a little call company selling duck calls. And so yeah. I, I say that tongue in cheek because I've taken them out a couple times early morning and sat out there just shivering in a blind <laughs> that they dug out on the bank of a, the water. And like, what about this is fun? And I mean, it's it. I can see the fun, but I don't see the trade off in between cleaning the ducks and preparing the ducks and eating the ducks and actually hunting the ducks. So it's, I, hmm. they, they see it a little so, differently than I do on that. So what you're saying is we don't have to worry about the university of duck hunting. Like you, the, you put together the university of elk hunting. Not with uh, my involvement. No, <laughs> somebody else may want to do that. And that's great. But uh, you got any Christmas specials going on for that? Uh, we are getting ready. So, uh, you know, you mentioned you don't watch any TV during the winter, right. and I might try to uh, persuade you differently because we have Destination Elk V4 that is heating up here. We've, uh, we're oh. through the first five episodes of getting them dialed in, and uh, we've, we've decided on a launch date of January 24th. And it's, I'm, I'm excited. I've never, there've been a few episodes in the past where I watched, like, I can't wait for people to see that one, mm -hmm. but I am genuinely excited about this season and the way we've done it and what we have coming up. So, uh, yeah. I hope I can persuade you to, to maybe spend a little bit of time watching that series yeah. when it well, launches. I might, but since you asked me to participate for the comic relief and the, you know, add some slow periods to it, <laughs> I know I'm going to be the guy who gets all the, you know, harassment about gets all the love. That, yeah, why do you have that Joker in there? So no, uh, I'm excited when you explained that, you know, how it was going to work and everything. It's like that's cool. That's I don't know if it's ever been done and you know, a story told that way in the hunting space. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's turning out really cool. You know, you asked what my plans were for next year. I said, Oh, we're gonna have to see how things turn out. And I know you don't want me to tell you that we're going to need nine camera guys again next year, like we did this year, but, uh, yeah. well, we'll see what the response one. is. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't have nine camera guys this year. Uh, next year. So, We'll get. We'll put an ad out here on Elk Talk. Don't do hey. that. We. I did that. I made that mistake. <laughs> uh, something tells me you got more than one reply. Uh, yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But at least we, we did get some good replies too. Uh, well, that would be a good but, Christmas so you were, gift for the elk hunter in your house. The University of Elk Hunting, Corey will give you a discount if you use promo code Elk Talk, right? That's right. 
Yep, I was just getting back to that. You asked me about any specials or anything, and I threw Destination Elk into that and then was coming back around the University of Elk hunting. So, yep, that's a good good, uh, gift to give to the aspiring elk hunter in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether or it's a hunting partner, a spouse, or... <laughs> yeah. Or if you're really wondering, buy them a membership for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Yeah. Whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of things out there for the elk hunter that will be more than just to open up a pair of socks Christmas morning. Like, mm, thank you. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like this, it's something someone will get a lot of use out of and hopefully a lot of benefit. So that's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Kim asked me what I wanted for Christmas. I didn't even answer, I don't think, because you get to a certain point in your life where if you want something, if you got enough money stashed away in your sock drawer, you just go buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... I usually that's a loaded question where she's wanting me to ask her what she wants for Christmas. <laughs> and so what do you I want for get, Christmas, Randy? It's like, oh, I, you know, why aren't you going to ask me what I want? Yeah. So I did. I'm like, well, what do you want? She's like, surprise me. I'm like, oh, no. That, oh, no. Th- those are the two words a husband never wants to hear. Surprise me. Yeah. <sighs> so... If anybody has any answers, I'm, what's our link here for feedback loop at elktalkpodcast.com? <laughs> You're opening a can of worms again here. Don't ask I for know. feedback on marital advice. I know. You, you of uh, all people should know that. I I know. But here, here's the the way the, the male mind works. I'll, if I get some of these ideas, I'll, I'll try to pick one that's pretty good. And then if it doesn't fly, you know, if she's like, oh, I'll say, well, so-and-so, came, I thought it was a good idea. You know, we asked, asked for opinions from the audience, and they gave us this. And then a lot of people thought this would be a great idea. Sorry, honey. And she's like, oh, that's real original. You let someone else think about it for you. <laughs> Typical man. You're, th- <laughs> you're throwing de- or, uh, Elk Talk podcast listeners under the bus. Yep. She's like. Oh, anything else you want to blame on your audience? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're on the topic, uh, yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's just that time of year where I hope everybody thinks about the, the blessings of their lives. And, I mean, what I've been going through with my mom. It's uh, uh, the number of people who've reached out and given a little bit of, you know, a kind note or whatever i was out on my youtube channel the other day and uh, uh it was my moose hunt where i on that hunt i found out about my mom's health situation and the number of people who left kind comments for her and i we were sitting there on the couch and mom mom look at these and she's scrolling through them and if people knew how much just five little words can make someone smile is like wow the power of what we have to make people's lives better without a whole lot of effort on our part that's probably been the greatest christmas gift i've received this year is that realization of how easy it is to make someone else's day just a little bit better 
So that's awesome. I know that has nothing has nothing to do with elk hunting, but well, maybe it yeah. does more more than we sometimes realize and give it credit for. Yeah. So anyhow, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Hope that they have likewise nothing but health and prosperity in the new year, and that their mailbox is filled with tags. <laughs> Unless it's a tag I'm applying for. Well, even if it's one I'm applying for, that's fine. As long as there's still one left for me. As long as you still get it, that's true. Yeah, I guess we can go. You know, I, maybe I'm going to run for governor of Montana. Elk tags for everybody. Oh my goodness! You didn't just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Randy, yeah. we got. We you better get out of here before you commit to something <laughs> you can't get out of. No, I trust me. I'm not running for office because Kim has said if I ever run for office, she's gone. So, well, the only reason I've made any progress in my life is because of her. So, the last thing I'm going to do is endanger that situation. So, no, I'm, well, you, you'll know something's up if she starts encouraging you to run for office. Then. Yeah, then I'll know for sure she has a boyfriend. Right now, <laughs> right now, as happy as I am when I come, as she is when I come home, it gives me cause to wonder, you know, she is just such a happy person when I come home. I stink. <laughs> Why is I that? haven't shaved for a long time. What's the deal, man? I'm getting suspicious. So if she starts encouraging me to run for public office, well, I better really pay attention then. But, <laughs> Well, I've completely drove us down in the ditch, Corey. Yeah, really, no recovery from that one. Just so those, get of, out of, those of you who, uh, Corey and I rehearse for these podcasts for about two minutes before we can. <laughs> You're being <laughs> awful generous. <laughs> I was going to say, what, is two minutes a stretch? So yeah. we, send a, we send an email link to each other. Yeah, okay. And we, we jump on and we just start talking. We might say, hey, hi, how are you doing? Uh, so, yeah, this, this rehearsal that we do, we get, we might want to refine it a little better because, uh, <laughs> you, you, you're probably going to have to reel me in the, the kind of the stated, un, unstated or unwritten understanding we have is that Corey is the guy who gives advice and I'm just the guy who's full of hot air and it's going to wreck the ship here. So well, wait a minute. Why, you didn't tell me about any of this. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the one giving advice now? Yeah. You're, oh. I mean, the, the nuggets that are worth listening to in this podcast come from Corey Jacobson. <laughs> yeah, now you're really going on a stretch. Of, the the uh, pieces where someone is going to go to work tomorrow at the water cooler and say, did you hear what those idiots on Elk Talk podcast said? That comment is going to come from me so it, I'm, I'm in charge of creating controversy and and doubt in the in the minds of the listeners you're there to straighten them out get them back on the right path and help them progress in their court their lifetime commitment of being an elk hunter wow heaven help us all yeah I mean, we got to have at least one responsible person in the room. <laughs> Please you. don't tell my wife you've, yeah, don't tell <laughs> my wife tell that, that you've given me that responsibility. <laughs> oh, you, thought she, you thought she laughed at uh, that previous question. This is, uh -huh. uh, 
Yeah, she'll she'll really laugh at that one. All right, I'm going to call her. I'm going to yeah. tell her, hey, did you know that you your husband's Corey's supposed to be responsible? responsible? <laughs> yeah, when she hangs up on me and I hear the laughter as she's hanging up, I'll know that you're. I, I've missed I've missed the mark in thinking you're this highly responsible adult. But well, you have missed um, the mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyhow, well, Merry Christmas, Corey. Merry Christmas to you, and Merry Christmas to everyone who's listening. And likewise, uh, may your holidays and New Year be filled with lots of good things and upcoming draws. May they bring you much prosperity. Amen. I have nothing more to add. Stay well, everybody. That's right.